You just heard Poppy Wardrobe by our boy Vinny Paz off his sixth solo LP, Burn Everything That Bears Your Name. It's out today, everywhere. You can check it out, all the stuff he's got on jmtstore.com, all through his label, Enemy Soil. I'm going to have links in the show notes. Big shout out to Vinny for having us be able to put the track out and give your new record some love. Obviously, with the guests... That we have today, Vinny is tied in with Broad Street Breakdown and the OG, so we had to keep it in the family on this one and have an intro with the Vinny new song. While we're keeping it in the family, make sure to check out xcrucifiedx.com or Crucified Straight Edge on Instagram. That's me, Richie, our boy Keith James. This is no nerd shit. This is some tie-dye cornball shit so you can look at the mall and be like an edgy uh, straight-edge warrior. This is real shit by real straight-edge dudes so people can walk around with some pride and look cool as shit rocking straight-edge gear. Check it out, xcrucifiedx.com, at crucifiedx on the Instagram. 
why don't you head over to patreon.com slash this is hardcore. Not only do I have plans to expand what we've been doing on the Discord server, which is basically like a message board just private for our Patreon supporters, but I'm going to continue to record afterthoughts and notes for every episode. I've got a couple up. I've got more to load up. i got a Q&A going. We're going to get more Q&A going for next month, and we're going to do a Discord hangout. Check it out, patreon.com slash this is hardcore. Big shout out to those who have already supported and signed up. While we're talking about Patreon, big shout out once again to Vinny Paz. You can now support Vinny Paz by going to his Patreon, which is patreon.com slash Vinny Paz, P-A-Z. He is now currently running a whole new podcast solely from the Patreon. On top of it, he's got a lot of really cool stuff going on with um, different merch deals and stickers and all this other stuff that comes out he's got just two tiers so it's mad easy to get involved with it check out our boy Vinny, uh patreon.com slash vinny paz and i'll have links in the show notes if you can't get the link okay tomorrow saturday april 24th 2021 the return of new york hardcore shows to new york city at thompson square Park in the Lower East Side. Okay? Black and Blue Productions present Mad Ball, Murphy's Law, Blood Clot, The Capturers, Wisdom in Fucking Chains. Our boy Richie, who is also on the show today, he's going to be playing another show. Check out The Boys in Wisdom. Mad Love to Mad Ball, Mad Love to Blood Clot, Mad Love to Murphy's Law. New York Hardcore and Hardcore shows all over are coming back. And it starts with the Thompson Square Park show tomorrow in New York City. Get down there. It's a free show, 12 noon. Support the return of real hardcore people. So thanks to Patrick Kitzel and Reaper Records, we're going to do a little giveaway real quick. When we post this, I want to see you post this. And repost this on the story, on the Instagram, or put it on the Facebook Retweet it on Twitter, and I'm going to look around, and I'm going to see who put some shine on our name and got our podcast episode out, and I'm going to pick three winners, and they're going to get the maximum penalty demo gatefold LP, courtesy of Patrick Kitzel and Reaper Records. So if you want a chance to win this LP, put some shine on our name, repost this shit, it's going to drop get it out there, and I'll be looking around the internet, and we're going to make a decision on who gets the LPs for putting this show over the most. Thanks to Kitzel and Reaper Records. If you want to listen to Patrick's story, go to Post America Podcast, episode 127. Check that one out at Post America Podcast. Links in the show notes. So here we are, after talking about it on the second Richie Podcast. We are live with myself, the OG Jeff Gavin from Crescent Tattoo, representing Broad Street Breakdown. Richie Crutch, representing Post America Podcast, and obviously Wisdom and Chains, Crucified Straight Edge, Z9, Fast Break Records, Out to Win. I mean, all of it. This is the culmination of three friends 
These guys are the ones who walked me into the podcast world, Broad Street Breakdown, which is Vinny, Pablo, OG Jeff, and now Xavier, Jeff's son, Post-America Podcast, which is Richie, Chris Mav, Jotham, Wisdom and Chains. And these guys have these great ensemble podcasts, and they're what led me to be able to do this is hardcore. A lot of telling me the different techniques and the different technical stuff and how they ran shit. So we talk to each other all the time. We're good friends. We talk about podcasts, and we've been kicking around the idea to have a podcast where the three of us are together. And this is kind of the introduction to this, you know, OG coming from one background. Richie from another, myself from my own thing, and you're listening to three friends talk about some ideas, and we really enjoyed this conversation. I know you guys will, and hopefully we make it a regular thing. This version is airing on the This Is Hardcore podcast, but there's going to be an alternate intro and other stuff on the Broad Street Breakdown feed this week. So it's kind of cool to have three podcasts put it out on two different feeds. Maybe next time we'll get Richie and the Post-America guys. They had a bunch of episodes, so I think they were trying to not have too much come out all at once. But this is the trifecta of Post-America, Broad Street Breakdown, and This Is Hardcore Podcast all in one. We've been talking about it. Here it fucking is. Let's fucking go. All right, guys, we are now officially recording. Yeah. So um, let's do a check-in. OG? What's up? Richie? Check one, two, check. All right, guys, feel good. I feel good. <clears throat> well, to start this off, I've said it on this podcast that you're listening to that we would eventually converge as a meeting of minds between Post America Podcast, the Broad Street Breakdown, and the Rookie of the Year, the This Is Hardcore Podcast. And so everyone listening, you're listening to three guys who are friends who each have their own podcasts. And for me personally, there would be no, this is hardcore podcast without these two and the tutelage and the support and the technical information. And then like to every week giving me pointers and insights. So without these two that I, we're talking that you hear OG, Jeff, Richie crutch, there wouldn't be no, this is hardcore podcast. So thank you guys for stewardship and friendship in getting me into this podcast world. Our pleasure. <laughs> I think um, I think you've accomplished something, Joe, that hasn't been sort of tackled in this format. I think um, you've gone beyond sort of, you know, this guy in this band. Um, you get into these people's lives and you get into their, you know, into their head and their thought process of the way they do things. And I think that, <clears throat> um, so for example, the, the Texas is the reason dude you did. Yeah. I have being, I guess being a little bit older, I don't know if I've ever heard a note by them and going into it, on the surface, I have no interest in that at all, but because it's your show, I listened to the entire, what was it? Four hours you did. Yeah. It was like four Oh five. Yeah. <laughs> and I left it like loving that dude. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? And just hearing his story and his life and his different, the different things he's been through and um, sort of his, his mindset as a, as a gay person and feeling like he didn't belong in a place where you're supposed to be able to belong. I found it really interesting. I found it really inspirational. And I think that that's what you've kind of tapped into with these people that you're having on your show. So it's like a different angle. It's almost like a human angle as opposed to, yeah, this record you did is great. This, that, and the other thing, you know, and you do have some aspects of that, but I think you're tapping into the people as human beings, as opposed to a figure in a band or a figure with a label or a figure who did a zine or whatever. Yeah, I, I agree. Like it's uh, I would normally not listen to an interview with that guy. Just no. because I wasn't, I'm not too familiar with the band. I, I just don't even know the connections. And, yes. and it turns out there there is some connections to, to stuff I like a lot. Yes. But I learned that that's a really cool dude. I, but yeah, that's always my problem with a podcast. I don't listen unless it's I'm familiar with. If it's an interview, I got to be familiar with the interviewer. If it's just a podcast of like hanging out, bullshitting, I got to like the personalities. But so since, I, since it's yours, I just I always chime in and I usually chime in with a bad attitude. Like, I don't even want to hear this. Dude. <laughs> but, but then like, yeah, you, you make it. I'm just being honest. You make it interesting. Norm, I normally wouldn't sit through someone I didn't know or I wasn't an actual fan of the band. Right. If I was listening to a podcast, if I listen to a podcast regularly and they have somebody and I don't know the person, they have somebody on who I'm not interested in. I don't listen to it. But because it's Joe's, I listen to every episode that, that both of you do, regardless of who you might have on, not have on, whatever. Like, Richie, the last, um, what, the last two you did? Or the, the one before the last one? So you did two episodes of sort of breaking down different albums. You did Agnostic yeah. Front, One Voice, and you did uh, Madball, Hold It Down. There was a there was an interview with Cuz Joe in between. So it's one voice. So look into that. Right, right. Yes. And then, yes. And then, and then I, you know, I just happened to love those two albums. And I was like, I said, now I, you know, let me do it. I gave it so, a shot. So here's an example. I, I love Agnostic Front and I love Madball, but I'm not. So if you said to me, what's your favorite Madball? My favorite Madball thing they ever did is Ball the seven Destruction. Inch, I bet. All day long. I, not only that, but I think but that it, that's it is super dope. It is that super seven dope. inch for me is is top five things that ever came out of New York. Wow. I fucking love that seven inch. And yeah. it when that seven inch came out, I happened to be at a record convention in Jersey for some reason and picked it up the week it came out. And I have loved it ever fucking since yeah. then. Not to downplay the other stuff, but that to me is definite is definition New York hardcore. Yeah, it really is. And let you're right. A lot of people don't point out that release probably because if they if they only had that seven inch and maybe another seven inch and an album, mm -hmm. everybody would talk about that seven inch. They just have a, such a big body of work. But you're right. right that that's an important seven inch that's overlooked as far as New York hardcore vinyl. It was it was really cool. I remember loving it. But you know, I mean, I'm like I put an it album up there. Guy, you know, I put it up there with, with whatever anybody wants to put up from New York. You know what I mean? And antidote, whatever. Like all these seven inches that are held up really high 
I put that ball of destruction in there, in that, in that conversation for sure. But point is that I, I, while I dig those records that you analyzed, if it was somebody else doing it, I would have been like, ah, eh, maybe I'll get to this, whatever. But I listened to it right away. And the way you break these down made me be like, I need to go listen to this fucking record again. I haven't listened to it since fucking, you know. Did, did, did it come <laughs> off? Did, did you like like it more? Did you appreciate it a little more? Not really. Yes. Oh, so I, again, I think again, I think it might be just because of that couple years difference in age when one voice came out. I dug it, but I was the first thing that I heard from them was cause for alarm. Yeah. So the 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 departure from that early stuff from victim and pain, then cause for alarm, then liberty and justice. You know what I mean? And so that totally. there was a there was a big departure. So I was like, this is cool. They're going in a different direction. Whatever, whatever. It never really stuck with me. Mm-hmm. But when you did your episode, fuck man, I went back and was like, fuck you. He's fucking right on about this. this is some shit. Yeah, gee, let I me, gee, one. let me ask you something. Yes. When, when Richie was breaking down the lyrics of One Voice, did it not make you just get so fucking excited? Just thinking about like, there was a theatric, and and it's and I I'm gonna put Richie over hard on this. There, mm. there was like a Dan Carlin descriptive moment with Richie with these lyrics, I like that. and I had to go back. <laughs> I literally, I was actually fucked up. I, I'm. I'm on like the 40 something story of a building and I'm mm. doing the most mindless tasks. So podcast is like really the thing that keeps my central nervous system going mm-hmm. because what I'm doing is dumb shit. Mm-hmm. And I had to stop for a minute and go. I remember the one voice record being mm-hmm. the first key, like a key to unlock a puzzle because mm-hmm. I was hard in a thrash mm-hmm. and I understood Ramones. I understood the basics in punk. I didn't understand that they could they could be tied together too much besides suicidal. And then so AF one voice was that's my one of my favorite hardcore records of all time mm-hmm. because I felt like, yeah, this is exactly what I like. <laughs> like I'm yeah. fucking, I, I was all in. And I remember peeling through like, you know, uh, cassette tape, reading the lyrics and being like, I don't understand because thrash was kind of fantasy for the most part. Of course. But not one voice. But then when Richie's talking about it, I actually felt like an idiot. I'm like, when was the last time that I even really went through and like dragged through lyrics? Because it's been a record in 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 like my, you know, my long library of loved records for so long. And dude, Richie, I don't think and that's what I was saying before we got live here. Richie's ability to break a record down and do the extras, because what happens in to tie into what you said previously about podcasts. When you have a hardcore podcast, sometimes the guests just tell people like a Wikipedia page. Well, I did this and then I did this and then I did this. And then we never get into the granule, like the deep, the deep end of this, like what's going on here. And Richie tied in Rogers prison sentence. Yes. He tied in the players and, 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 I don't think that you could really talk about a record properly singular as one person. Cause like if Richie had this conversation about one voice, the story would be deviated and, and, and you and I would have an influence in the outcome, but Richie taking it on him own and doing that. 
that was one of the coolest things I've heard on a podcast. And then to touch on to when he did hold it down, I had a similar scenario where hold it down at the time was set to be the magnum opus of Madball. This was supposed mm-hmm. to be the record that puts them over VOD, over Earthquake. Like that was a record to say, yeah, you guys are playing at a level, but here's the Madball record. And because of Freddie's upcoming prison sentence, they had been doing a crazy amount of touring for Demonstrate My Style. And mm-hmm. there was almost a moment we were kind of like, oh man, we have a new record already because they played so many fucking weekends in a row. But Hold It Down was sonically so much ahead of everything that, and again, when he touched it, I was driving I was driving to a job to and from, and it's a long drive for me, like way out of the city. So I hit it in two shots, and I was, again, being like, yo, I would just, Manball was one, the last, like, crazy bigger show that I was at before the COVID shut everything down. And I remember being so psyched for the tracks they played off the, at the FYA Fest. But he, break, he broke it down. I made me feel like, he made me have to want to re go in and look at a hard copy and look through the lyrics. So, I mean, that was fantastic, man. That was like literally just like <coughs> that. Well, OG, that OG gave it up. He said the seven inch was his favorite mm-hmm. from Madball. What is your favorite from Madball? Joe? Well, so I want to, I want to say something that tough is question. Like, no, no, it's not just a tough question, but the key thing here is, and this got lost and really pissed me off because chronologically Madball came out of the womb that was agnostic front and kind of became like the second incarnation when AF kind of went, cause they tipped Vinny involved. And the thing is, is quickly because of the record that would follow ball, which was uh, set it off. There was this like weird posy straight edge kids who started shitting on Madball and be like, this is even fucking hardcore. And it's like, no, this is the most hardcore thing. The thing is, right. is, the, the turn of the decade from the late 80s into the early 90s and the way that New York hardcore was shaping into, it was no longer Nike and fashion and perfect haircuts. It was grimy. And I mean, set it off. You hear that New York sound like, you know, like it's just so fucking like an audio eruption that comes. And so I'm emotional. I, I, I like musically. I'm emotional. I, I cannot say that I've ever heard a hardcore record hit me the way set it off did because here is the next coming of agnostic front. It even had guys who were in agnostic front and set it off really was that record that changed so much shit because I was a long, I, I, there's a picture of me with like a New York Yankees hat and long hair. Wow. In 95. Dude, I was all in. I'm not gonna. You know, but see, I, see, I don't hide shit. I don't. You know, I, 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 you know, like I was so in on New York hardcore from like being a death metal long hair kid, and set it off was that path. And I saw them at the JC Dobbs, and that was probably one of the craziest shows. And I and like I was a kid, so I'm not a full hardcore dude. I'm mostly like a metal kid. You know, I'm 14 years old. I don't think I was 14. I think I was 13, turning 14. So emotionally set it off will always be because that like kicked that kicked open like if there was like a little bit of nervousness like i don't know some of this hardcore stuff i don't get i understood where set it off was coming from because it sounded like my neighborhood and i was like wait a minute there's people that are playing music that i love that come from neighborhoods like we do and that was it because like i was listening to dungeon dragons heavy metal i didn't want to go to i didn't want to go to ccd class but my mom was like you know 
you got to go to a Catholic school. So I went straight satanic. Black metal was starting to be cool. Like, like I was like a fucking, I was rebelling against all that and listening to all this crazy Satan music. And then I found hardcore and I was like, hold on, this is like street music. But what I was getting to is without Manball, so much of what would come in hardcore later wouldn't have been possible. And yet it is off the back of Agnostic Front. And so, you know, the way that you broke down them two records was kind of iconically because AF's one voice absolutely is Manball's hold it down. And, you know, without AF doing all them crazy tours and starting to get to a different level and recording at something like Normandy Sound is the same way. Like, hold it down was way different production with a different sonic approach, but it still ended up being like the the high high watermark for Mabel at that po- point. So I would say set off is my favorite, but the hold it down had had they toured on it the way they toured on the the demonstrate my style record, I don't know where Mayball would be. And it kind of fucks me up in the alternate universe. What would have happened if Mayball could have really did a year and a half straight the way they used to tour back then? Well, you know what? One thing I left out of that episode was the record label. And it was Epitaph, right? Yeah. And uh, I, I think that was an issue. I think putting that out on Epitaph didn't, didn't help that kind of album. Like people that would buy an Epitaph record, almost regardless of the artist, probably wouldn't have been happy with that album if, if you understand what i'm saying you know was that before or after af put those three out on F, on epitaph it was after it was after yeah a- yeah absolutely a- af was first on epitaph? AF, af af reunion was december 96 and gotta go came out in the spring of 97 mm, i gotcha. like gotta go gotta go is cool i like those three records yeah I have to I th- wonder if Lars had a hand in helping writing Gotta Gotta Go. There's some really cool melodies on some of those songs it's, that he It's might- actually so melodic. Yeah. And it has a hook that's on you. And that's not the diss AF in regard. I think that the coolest thing about AF is like they pound through tracks and it's super aggressive. But there was a melodic element that's not known in AF in that song. I yeah. think it at that time there was a lot, I, I sort of remember a little bit of a backlash saying that AF was trying to jump on like the street punk kind of thing, like the, the dropkick Murphys and that stuff, that stuff was hot at the time. And yeah. my opinion was no, man, they're showing you how it's done. Cause they can do whatever they started this shit. Yeah. They, I they to me, they could easily get away with it and they did, but there was, I, there was, there was like some kind of resentment a little you bit. You remember that? Yeah, it, it totally. Got, it got a little bit. It was like a little there bit. There almost um, always is. And then, and then now people say, Oh, I love those three records in a row. But at the time, you know, what was and I, it? And I also gotta go dead yuppies. And what was the other one? Something's got to give. Something's got to give. Wow. Right. That song, yeah. I, that song in particular, that's a dope song. So, fuck out of here. What yeah. about the one, uh, the right, right upstart that that's, starts off with the, the I Giuliani? Think that's the third one. That's the yes, third. Yeah, album. yeah, okay, yeah. So, so yeah. it starts off with the Giuliani song. Julia, into, Julia, Julia, uh, fuck you. And they were so yeah. right about that back then. Like, Julia was a hero, but they knew. Yeah, that's fucking Julia punk rock, clown. man. Yeah, that's that's hardcore punk rock. That's uh, blueprint. Yeah, like you want you want to see how it's done. Okay, we'll show you how it's done. Yeah. So if you take a victim in pain, yeah, and that's super old school, early, like early fossil hardcore, 
and then you got one voice totally different but then you mm-hmm. say something's got to give even that's totally different and to me those are three dope ass albums yes well then a little totally bit later they did the they did the um that warriors thing with i think Josta produced it which oh, is a dude. whole nother fucking thing i'm gonna tell you that that's one warriors of is hard records. yeah that's so, a hard record so i want to touch on something that kind of plays into the deviation <clears throat> and, the, and the sonic differences in af records so the irony is that we're where people had said in 97 like oh what, you know what the fuck's up with agnostic front um we're talking about now 25 who years said later. that yeah we'll fucking <laughs> jump <laughs> but uh, that's been 25 years and so the surreality to it is is 10 years before that was the calls for alarm error for them Mm-hmm. And so, and and if we talk about gotta go, we got to talk about the fact that it's long been said that Pete Steele had a hand in 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 some of the calls for alarm tracks. Mm-hmm. And so, something that kind of is unconventional for punk rock, but is very conventional in rock music, is that sometimes players, like you know, actual like the old school studio players, may add a touch to a song like hey i've got this track i can't use it maybe you guys can and i think that's something that af actually you know use it easy utilize they utilized the opportunity of having connections with people that love agnostic front and we're like i've got this track like you know and and again what just to stay for the record this is mythos this is this is conspiracy level where it happened to be that af was coming back out it happened to be that they came out with a sonic difference in gotta go it's something that someone had said in a zine was like this is almost like Lars from rancid or someone had a hand in writing this and it stuck with me because i remember everybody saying about calls for alarm and pete Steele's influence mm. now if you look at the discography of agnostic front the other thing to remember is they didn't sit at home they didn't sit at home at all ever they went on fucking tours consistently and so what has to be understood by people listening when bands are on a contract, every two years or so, that label wants that money. They want that new record coming in. And then what happens for Europe, what happens for America is a touring cycle where a band gets to promote something new. So whereas, yeah, some of the greatest hardcore bands of all time have released a seven inch, a demo, an LP and broke up. Ag- Agnostic Front Legacy is also in their longevity and their creativity and so, yeah, like, what do you want? Do you want victim and pain for the last 40 years or do you want deviance? So, like, when we were in Europe touring, we had back in the CD era, still at the early 2000s, so we didn't like we didn't even have the iPod yet. But we had the advanced copy of Warriors because it was going to come out in Europe first. Mm-hmm. I listened to that thing, G, for five weeks straight. Mm-hmm. So to me, I know that record back and forth. It's really good production too on Warriors. Oh, so sick! Did, and the drumming yeah. on that, some of them. Did, ah, oh, did Josta produce that, or did, I think I Josta produced another voice. That's the one, and that was the one. Oh, at, okay. After yeah, that was in two thousand seven. Yes. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. Okay. 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 Josta helped produce that one, from what I recall. Another voice. Josta, that I think big is on another voice. Some good tracks. Some good tracks. But Warriors. Agreed, Hard. and then then so they had then they did a record that I that's I can't remember the name of, um, which but one? they almost went back to after another voice. Then they did like 
I can't remember. Yeah, I, I can see the cover in my head. Um, Let me I feel like it it's the, the Statue of Liberty, black and white kind of thing, old punk rock. And they went back to like the roots, fast, fuck it. You know what I mean? So they, they have the ability to go through and touch on the different nuances of the big culture itself. You know what I mean? So they could they could do a little bit of this, do a little bit of that, do a little bit of this, and then go back to the beginning and do the. You know what I'm saying? Totally. Because they are representatives of the culture as a whole. So whereas you know, Warriors for me is not even close to the best thing they've done. I respect it, but it's it, it's touching on part of the movement that doesn't appeal to me as much. But all I got to do is wait for the next record and they're going to do some fucking 30 second fucking bangers and I'm back in. My Life, My Way is that album, I think. Exactly. Oh, yes. shit. Yes. 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 Yeah. Check and that out. record rules. Yeah. Yeah. And it was, it was, it, it did go back, not completely, but right. it went back. It had like, it, it was more of a mix. Back yes. And forth, you know? Yes. Yes. So great fucking band, man. So Yo, that my life, my way. That's already 2011. That came out. That's crazy. That's and, it's then, and we say that's old. that's that's new. That's new agnostic front. And it's a decade. <laughs> that might be. That also might be right at the beginning of the Craig Silverman era of AF too. Mm, could be. I'm not sure. That might be. That might be the first season one. Um. So when when we think about like we're going back to the podcast talk, so Richie was doing post-america as a group and hundreds of episodes at this point like 130 something episodes and the the thing about made post-america interesting was that wisdom and chains as a group all had their fingers in on the production and like if you would go to gee you should have seen it if you go up to richie's house they cook Mm -hmm. they make all Mm -hmm. this food and mm-hmm. eat like eat like a fucking savage, and then you sit down and you're like, "Holy fuck!" And we and you have this great conversation, and you do it at the dinner table. But also, I've seen Richie do John Josephs in the back of Champions and Trenton, and mm-hmm. they've done episodes in Europe, and they've done episodes live as uh, any of the East Coast tsunamis were going on. Mm-hmm. And I think because of the fact that the dudes in that they're interviewing are bandmates. Mm-hmm. Of like or tour mates is a better term. They're interviewing tour mates or they're interviewing. They kind of were doing things in the moment, and because Wisdom and Chains has the relationships with everybody from Madball to Gorilla Biscuits and all these different people, there was kind of like this shared experience. Like, well, you know what I mean, Richie. You know we're on this tour together, and I think where I couldn't have that conversation because I'm not in a band. And so what happened is when COVID hit. Obviously, who wants to go to someone's house in the fucking plague era? So mm. Richie went on this tangent of these quarantine sessions. And I somehow ended up doing the fucking guy from the Bronx town. It's like, what the fuck? I think. Richie makes it very easy. Richie's very easy to talk to and let your like not let your guard down, but you can have you have you just have a conversation with them. And I think Richie. I think people who don't even know him well sense that right away. So they're, they're not as guarded as, you know, Bronx tail dude might be on 
you know, entertainment tonight or whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? <laughs> because those two talked like they've known each other their whole lives. And that's a credit to Richie, not to dude. He's a good dude though, too. He's a good guy. Yeah. Yeah. No doubt. No, but not, no, not talk, I, I but he goes, he, I I'm that. sure he goes into it thinking like, okay, this will be an interview like this or like that, not knowing. And he was the yeah, one he who told me, he said, I wasn't <clears throat> expecting to talk about some of that shit. Right. I, I, and that's I, your doing. That's not his doing. You know bro, he mean? was straight up calling. He was like, come on, Richie, you know what I mean? You right. know what it's like. <laughs> yeah. Right. And Richie's Wild able dude. to sort of uh, put that vibe out there to make yeah. it like, yo, we're cool. We're just hanging out, you know? And that's something that I think is. And trust me, I'm not faking it. I just love to talk. Of like, course. If I got and nobody, I, if I got like nothing to do, I go crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like well, if I, can... even on, on the road, if we got an eight hour drive and, and you guys know, some people just don't talk. They could shut oh, up eight it. hours and not, it drives me nuts. Like I got to have somebody to bullshit with if somebody's around. If I like, if I don't like the person and we're yeah. out my, my business. The new, the new way these kids and people tour now, I don't even want to ever do a tour ever. Yeah, for it, real. Because they all sit on phones and everyone listens to their own music. And there's no connection. There's no getting to know somebody. It's just like everybody in your own bullshit corner. Now you, you know, know what's what? crazy? There's no, there's no ball breaking anymore. No, you there's no can't ball. You can break balls. Um, but so, so was, well, something oh. just dawned on me that I think that both your podcasts sort of address. You address different levels of connection. So Richie is has a connection with the people on his show that are that is like. Um, casual sitting th that vibe you were describing of of sitting down at dinner and then bullshit and that comes across from from the thing the show that richie does bullshit you know whatever whatever joe's podcast sort of is like that two o'clock in the morning kind of like now you're starting to get into some shit with somebody that's what joe's podcast is so it's two different levels of personal connection yeah and you know Joe's what i mean really good at his home he he does his homework really I mean, good yeah I really cheat, good i do the cheat sheet and i like i also believe that you know having i don't know how many like i i used to not follow so many hardcore podcasts because i would hear a guy who i want to hear so many different layers to them like an onion and instead it was so how's your last record? And what's and it, and it felt like a promo more than any kind of discussion. And, and yeah. having been on the side of the mic where I'm trying to talk about this is hardcore, I felt like the person asking me questions was going through like the 90s zine. Here's question one. No matter what I said, a question one, they were asking question two. Right. And so I, I didn't enjoy the output of hardcore podcasts. You know what? What's crazy is it's like I know that Broad Street Breakdown talks about hardcore because of you guys all loving it, but it's not in the cadence of like hardcore podcasts. What was fun about Broad Street Breakdown was putting it on while I'm at work, and I felt like I was hanging out with my friends, even though I'm grinding fucking concrete walls or um patching this stupid wall and I need to kill time. And you guys had me laughing the same way in that cadence with Richie when all them guys would bring a PA Ray on. And there was like, mm. I felt like I was having fun with my friends. Mm. And then like, I got so excited about this COVID stuff because other people were putting out stuff. 
it takes a lot to listen to a guy who's asking good questions from people, but they do it for 35 minutes. How deep can you go? And maybe I'm just like yeah. that dude, but I want to know the whole thing. I want to know the little detail because like what you were, we were talking about with the AF and we we're talking about with man ball, that little detail, that little Freddie man ball or that rather Roger man, Roger from AF rather had Richie not talked about Roger's prison sentence, the whole cadence to the record would have been different. And I think that him touching on that is important. So like at first when I was doing the podcast, it was, well, you know, I don't need to talk to Ray Capo because everyone's talked to him. I don't need to talk to Ian McKay because everyone knows what he's going to say. So I started in one direction and then it was actually Richie, his fault that we started talking. We did the second episode with Richie on here and we were talking about why hardcore didn't get commercially as successful, but how our culture has such deep roots and how every bit of music still lends itself and borrows from our culture. And then I realized if I was a 21 year old kid or like the kids from MH chaos who listen every week and all these different younger kids who now check in and tell me, listen every week, they don't actually know the prerequisite of what me and Richie know. So I started going deeper just so people could catch up so we could all have a conversation like you were all having. When I talk mm-hmm. to you, G, or I talk to Richie, we all know what each other are talking about. So we can kind of talk more evenly. Yeah. So I, I started getting deep just so the listener for every week knows what we know, or here's the kind of perspective. But I got to say, like, <laughs> the envious thing I have with both of you guys is like, sometimes the part of me would like to take a second and just be in the mix. But I have to be on point. So while the person is giving me whatever answer and telling their story, I have like a chain of events in my head. Like, okay, do we ask this question? Do we go here? And I know enough about the person I'm speaking with that depending on the outcome of the question and when they top off, I have like a three-second window where I have to fire the next thing. Where I listen to you guys laughing and you're chopping up and you guys have such a good time and it's like, I'm on point and I, I really love a deep conversation, but the, sh- the, the moment is like, fuck, if I ask a dumb question, I, I sound like a retard and B, uh-huh. it could stifle the direction of the conversation. So I envy your get like both you guys have your own gang. You guys have like the whole gimmick. Like, you know, like you guys literally have the gimmick gang, which then ruined my entire vernacular because kind of John has slid to the second word. A gimmick is now the all word for everything because of the fucking <laughs> podcast. And then I talk to people from other places. And they're like, where did gimmick come from? I'm like, my boys in the podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's that's why I love Broad Street Breakdown, too, because I don't know if it's like an East Coast thing or or whatever, but it's just like it's it's nobody breaks balls anymore. Nobody has, yeah. you know what I mean? Nobody has these type of like relationships that you could see, like they could, you could attack your friend like pretty harshly, but it's, it's all right. It's okay. Like, you know what I mean? And I, I remember when I started hanging out with friends of friends and then I was, they were like, yo, Oh, I was talking to so-and-so that'd be the friend of the friend to my real friend. Like, yo, why are you so mean to him? Why are you so mean? And in my head, I'm thinking like, wow, I really like that dude. I thought I was just being like, like playful and funny. And that's Broad Street Breakdown. The way they attack each other is, <laughs> I love that shit. That's like, and it's why has it not been on so long? Like, what the hell's going on? Uh, Vinny was doing his r- new record that's coming out. 
This guy puts out. I think it's coming out. Yeah, I mean, how is this even possible? And all quality stuff, like yeah. high level lyricism, and so many songs a year. It, it blows my mind. I, I can't. Does he have his own studio? He has a studio that he's been dealing with for many years. Um, he has his time allotted that he goes every week. And he's been very, uh, the last few years, he's been very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Dedicated? No. Dedicated? Proficient? Uh, oh, proficient. Uh, uh, yeah, like he, his, his output has been, he's, yeah, he, he came to crazy. a point where he was like, fuck, I got all these ideas again. You know what I mean? And, and for somebody who's been doing it for, you know, 20, whatever years, it's, it, it, you know, you, you, I, I would imagine you start to, you get lulls with it. And he got to a point where it was just coming and coming and coming and coming. And he's still on that, you know? Yo, he probably has in the last three years more quality material than household name guys had for the last 20 years. And I'm not even like, yo, I'm, I'm like a rap guy. I love rap, but I, I, and I'm, and I'm also a musician, believe it or not. So I, I, it's, it's so hard for me to believe that he puts out that much stuff, like without sacrificing the quality. So it's, it's impressive, man. And then, yeah, I guess, I guess that is a good reason not to do the podcast, but come on, Vinny, get back there. He's, he's been doing that. And Pablo got a new job and like the schedules are just weird. And I'm kind of just like, I'll do whatever, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you guys, you guys tell me. So it's like, you know, this, that, the other thing. And Xavier, my, my oldest son has been on. Um, Dude, he took over, as, man. He's been doing great with that cameos and shit on that show. Yeah, yeah. What he, a great it's, idea. It's interesting, you know, he, he came on, I guess, the first time with that idea. And then he, we just kept having him on because it was interesting having him in that position because he's completely in a di- on a different life level than we are he's he's he just turned 21 wow he's young he's not into anything we're into he's into his own shit you know what i mean and it's interesting to get his sort of perspective on things sometimes and you know sometimes he doesn't has no idea what the fuck we're talking about it's talking about goddamn uh you know fucking the first negative approach seven inch or something he's like i don't know what the fuck you're talking about but you know he it, it's it, it worked out well and um you know, Yo, how, is he, how is he with the ball breaking as a young? He gets it, but not as hard. But he also he goes after Pablo sometimes. He has some good moments. How is he with his friends? Have you noticed him with his friends? Is it that same kind of dynamic? It's anymore? not what really? we. It's not what we do. No, no. Uh, and he, you know, I mean, he's known Vinny and uh, Apollo from the day he was born. You know, so he he's comfortable with them and whatever, and he'll take shots at Pablo and whatever, whatever. Pablo handles it good though. He what, what Yo, good, when right? Vogel starts ripping on Pablo, it's always so like that's how you knew the show was taken off. The straight up the first time Vogel was in town and he's like going at Pablo. It's fucking great. You're like, yo, Pablo's witty though. He got some good, he got some good comebacks, yo. <laughs> he's Pablo is is push comes to shove, he's the funniest person I know. He's a funny dude. He makes me laugh every time. So I see Pablo even during the the pandemic I, i've seen him once a week he comes up to the shop you know usually every saturday unless something's going on with his kids or whatever whatever but it, it, there has not been a time where i've been with him where he doesn't make me laugh you know 10 times he's the yeah. funniest motherfucker i know yeah he seems like the type of guy that feels like 
obligated like i'm gonna make my my friends crack up a little bit like it's almost like i mean fuck we can <laughs> we can analyze why he is the way he is but yeah fuck no, a very different. interesting guy like because you know i don't yeah. know Pablo very well at all but it's like listening to him on a thing and then the whole cheapo uh the whole cheapo skits like jesus that's all legit you know that those things came from so awesome man well those things came from the this you know i guess we've known each other since um i guess 89 ish Mm. and everything on the the show has grown from an organic um sort of ball busting amongst ourselves thing so the Pablo, the cheap Pablo thing has been a thing for us for ever. And we just, you know, like we just made it into a stupid thing for the podcast, but it's really a thing. It's brilliant. You know, That's why it's so funny. Cause it's confirmed. It's yeah, authentic. Man. It's real. Like the poppy the, seeds. <laughs> come on. I, this is like, it's almost, it's almost like a disease. I but wish that I could no say harm. that we, we sort of um created amped it up yeah, yeah it's not nothing about it is it's very incredible it's as real as it gets yeah well like from a from a one-man show dissecting both of your guys shows if you guys did what what is like really popular in podcasting now where people go you know what i've got an idea that i think people would listen to let's do a podcast and they like there's a bunch where it's like the blank and the blank the fighter, the kid, the girl, the dude, you know, two guys on the There's always like these gimmick names and this like posture where they know they're starting as a gimmick, but they're hoping that it's a popular one because now that there's like, oh, I got you. Like setting the characters up. Ahead exactly. Of yeah. Gotcha. And it's like it is actually the supplement and the replacement to the morning radio jock show, mm. you know, mm-hmm. but like the cadence in. As a as a as a listener to both of your shows, the cadence is that you all have a familiarity, and so jokes are real, ball busting is real, and there's a symbiotic kind of relationship to how the show flows, because everybody's in on where it's going. And I've actually listened to a couple things that are not organically built like that, where they're not friends since 1989. And I mean, Richie, that's not too much far off from how long you've known Mav. And I know Joe, you like so like you guys have these time there's such time in that it allows you guys to communicate in a way that it it flows so well from the listener's perspective. And I think like um I think I, I mean you've had different people on, like I know you had Chris X on before, you mm-hmm. know, like you guys, but I think the if, well, you, I guys wanted did, to... if you guys did guests more often, it mm-hmm. would take away from that Howard Stern. Like I always said it would be like, what's Broadtree like? I'm like, imagine the hardcore show, the hardcore uh howard stern like everybody has their they have actual segments in the show and Be they careful though, and every, i don't think og likes howard stern i i love howard except oh, okay, in, okay. until he <laughs> until he <laughs> became a different uh human yeah yeah and, my, I and i'm I, look man i'm glad for him but w- him interviewing you know george clooney straight it's just not for yeah, me. Corny. You know corny. what I'm saying? Yeah, it's man yeah. corny, right? I had you, my. That's I'm I'm jealous of, of the Broad Street breakdown because it's kind of like 
I don't like when the guys were always when when the, me, Chris, and Joe were always together. It was that vibe more. And then since, like we when we first started, it was us three, and we get a, a person interview. Then after a while, we said, all right, we don't need we don't have to force an interview. We could just and we did so many episodes with just the three of us, and it was more that vibe. But once this whole thing started, and I didn't see the guys around anymore, it was kind of it gets. I missed, that. I missed that element of just being. We didn't. I didn't need like if I have a guest now, I kind of need to at least prepare a little bit before when mm. we did a podcast. We did. I didn't. No preparation was needed. You know, it was just a, a good time. You know, this is ve- what we're doing right now is very similar to what we do on um, the Brushy Breakdown podcast. We don't have an agenda when we go in, yeah. and I mean the three of us tonight were like okay i'm pushing record you know and it was that i think is that's where you get quality you know what i mean and that's where you get real stuff now it's not to say that you're not going to jot down like something to remind like i want to bring this up kind of thing just because otherwise you'll forget you know what i mean but Mm -hmm. there's something about a group of people you know, two, three, four, however many people having an organic conversation that I think is missing in podcasts in general. Yeah. And this is awesome. But imagine if we were at the same table, it would not forget it. Yeah. Yeah, That's, that's, that's great. Like that's, that's, and that's, what's great about the broad street breakdown is you guys, you know, when you're, when you're all, what are you usually at your house? Until COVID, yeah, Until COVID? yeah, we were at my house, yeah. I mean, That's, and then so, we and just, people would walk in, and then you're talking to people, and then the person's <laughs> yelling at somebody. Like, <laughs> that's crazy, man. I love that. Yeah, it, it, it. I guess we said early. You know, I remember one time early on, we took a break, and when we came back from the break, I was fucking starving. So I was like, look, man, I need to, I'm going to eat a bowl of cereal or whatever the fuck. And Pablo's <laughs> like, oh, I guess we'll wait for you to eat a bowl of cereal. And I was like, you know what? Nah, let's do it. So from that time, we, we made a rule. Like you just go about what you're doing, man. Like we're all sitting here. You got to go take a piss, go take a piss. You got to fucking, you know what I mean? I'll pick up my whole rig and go downstairs and step outside and have a cigarette. Like while I'm, you know what I'm saying? Like we ain't yeah. pausing shit. We ain't doing nothing. We're just going. That's beautiful. And, we were a little bit afraid that people were going to be like, oh man, but I guess people enjoyed that aspect of it. You know what I mean? I actually actually know why they enjoy it. And it's because someone had said that having no human interaction, it's hard because besides some people, and this is something that fucked me up because I've worked my ass off during COVID. Mm -hmm. My friend was like, I don't really go out. I might talk on the phone, but not too often. So those who are producing podcasts where there's the actual organic conversations and there's familiarity and there's this like good camaraderie, the person listening has the opportunity to share. It's kind of like, you know, a fly on a wall. And I've been told this and I didn't think that was plausible. It was one of my my concerns was just just me talking for four hours. It didn't hit me that people said. Oh, you know, I felt like I was right in the conversation. So what had mm. happened was I was at that Philly hardcore swap meet mm. and, a, and a friend of mine who he doesn't, you know, he doesn't get out a lot and doesn't have a job because of COVID. He's like, dude, I've gone so hard into pot. He's like, I went from no podcast. Like, I don't have time to listen. He's like, I don't even care how long anything is. I just want to listen to it. He's like, and I feel like I'm still connected. <laughs> so like 
Broad Street Breakdown gives me the friendship and the hangs when like that. I was on a nuclear job in the summertime two years ago, and I caught up on like 10 episodes in a row yeah. in that time frame. And I felt like still like because I don't feel I don't know, Richie. I mean, I know Richie does. Richie does the same kind of work that I do. But what Richie does is he mixes. A lot of times he physically is mixing insane amounts of concrete and from bags because of the mm. small quarters. Mm-hmm. Really, he it's a small quarters where those guys are at. So like, there's no like, oh, we'll get a pump. It's easier just for these fucking goons to mix it. So I don't think Richie has the same like time where I get sent like by myself like on special missions, mm-hmm. climb up off this thing, grind this whole area, patch this, make this look nice, or it's hey, climb up in here and the concrete's finished. But we need you to make it look good, grind and. So I have all this alone time where I'm completely separated from humanity. And all I have is what's in my ears and what's in front of me. And that's actually what got me even listening to podcasts. So I think both of your podcasts, having that, like that group connection, it kind of uplifted me. So I understand why, when you're saying like, you didn't think people would care. It's because people are trying to connect and they're trying to have also, you know what? And let's really dial this into hardcore again. We're all from a tribe of people that like, if you have a good family, then you have cousins like Richie. Richie's got he's got a star studded family. He's got the brother who's got the book, you know, he's got all this mm-hmm. stuff going on in the sense where Richie has a good family connection. Mm-hmm. I don't have I love my sister. I love I love their kids. I love mm-hmm. my, old, old, you know, I love my daughters, you know, like that's all I got. You know, what I mean, like and I have mm-hmm. my friends as my family. But if you don't have a lot of people in your universe, you know, that like if you don't have a lot of people in your universe, how can you, you know, relate to the rest of the world? And so many hardcore people are like, how many times do you think like have you seen the same guy at a show by himself? He never had a wife. He never showed a girlfriend. And you take it for granted because you're like, oh, yeah, he's at the show. And then you realize like this person, hardcore is its own, their only outlet, you know? That's why I buy everybody drinks. I'm serious. I always, <laughs> if you see a person more than like two times and you're still not saying what's up, you know what I mean? Like, at least it's just weird to me. Like, come on, introduce yourself, buy a drink, there, you know, talk a little bit, something. There's a kid who I saw uh, maybe two years um, before COVID. And I would see him at certain shows. He's a long hair kid. Kind of nondescript. I, I'm not sure if he's there with anybody or not, but I kept seeing him at shows and I keep saying to myself, like, I want to say what's up to this kid. I mean, he's a young dude, you know. He goes to a lot of um, I would see him at Mike shows a lot, at, at Please Die shows a lot. And this kid is so into it, man. And this kid makes me so happy to see him. You know what I mean? And yeah. he has no idea. He has yeah. no idea. Because yeah. for whatever fucking reason, I'm too fucking grumpy to go over and say hello to yeah. this fucking kid. And plus, I'm fucking, I'm old enough to be his fucking father. I don't want to come off like some <laughs> kind of fucking whatever. But Hi. I just, I, I, right. <laughs> <laughs> that right. might get so, creepy. Right. So I, I just like watching this kid, man, like living it and loving it. And it makes me so happy. You know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah. if I ever see this kid again, I, maybe I'll say hello. To just him. do it. Yeah, just do it. Or send Pablo up to do it. Pablo's right, good. right. He's, he's a good guy to break the ice. <laughs> right. 
No, you Joe's right though. There's a lot of weirdos, a lot of loners, a lot of mentally kind of whacked out people in the scene, and you know maybe uh, the three of us are included. So I know, I'm yeah. A, I mean, a yeah, podcast, of course. Like, I call like I call you guys twenty killer. hours a week, so I know I'm fucked. <laughs> <laughs> we, we we, I mean that's what this is, isn't it? Yeah. It's but you know what else about about Broad Street Breakdown that, that people feel connected with is like the Internet stuff that goes on in between, like the stuff on Facebook and those groups, which I, yeah. I always get like, geez, I feel like I get attacked if I say anything. I just keep my mouth shut in there. Like some of those guys. I are, wouldn't let are, anybody attack you, Richard. <laughs> nah, no, I'm teasing. But, but now there's right people, out. there's diehard people in there and they know the, they know the rules and, and it's like they cooperate. <laughs> Like, oh, I can't say that. Like, that's off limits to talk about. This is okay. And they go along with it, and it's like a little community, man. It's really dope. And that goes on whether you do a podcast once a week or there's a big gap in between. So that's a great thing to keep it, like, you know, keep the tease going to the listeners and stuff. Yo, that's, man, hashtag gimmick gang. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> it's it's very, um, it's very humbling that anyone gives a shit what you know like because when we started we sort of assumed wrongly that we would have a built-in um audience because of Vinny and what he does after the first two or three episodes we got so much backlash from diehard Vinny people because they wanted Vinny to talk about rap and Vinny's like that's not what I'm doing here we almost had to build a new group of people who were interested in the show itself. As weird as that sounds, you know? And yeah, I, think you're, I, I think you're right. Like, I don't really notice like a big, like, I mean, like they're casual hip hop listeners. They definitely yeah, love Vinny, yeah. but yes. like the people that are like the gimmick gang people, not necessarily like <laughs> die hard deep hip-hop heads from what i could tell so yeah Agreed. that's true man and, I, and and i've made a couple of legitimate friends from from people listening and i mean that's that's a heavy thing man you know what i mean at at our age like making a new friend like it's yeah. it's yeah. it doesn't happen as often as when you're younger Odds you know what i mean against that yeah. yeah yeah you know and i've made some legitimate connections with some people who just because they listen to this stupid fucking podcast you know and that's that's cool what else can you ask for, really? You know, yeah. I mean, there's some people that are a pain in the ass, and there's some people who are rude and fucking whatever. But the the good people far outweigh that, you know. And I, you know, I, I I have people's numbers in my phone that I text with who I didn't know previous to this, and that's that's a blessing, man. You know. Yeah, that is cool. <clears throat> have you have you ever got either? You guys ever got like like uh, complaints? Like uh, any any like people get insulting with you messages or Zach Barone with anything you've you've done. <laughs> Zach Barone is Zach Barone criticizes everything. I think yeah. Yo, always... so it's eight thirty in the morning on Friday. Which by the way, I post on my lunch break the graphic. So like whenever I'm at lunch with that day that Friday, that's when I put the post up. Yes. But the but the shit goes live at like four in the morning. Because work dudes, number one, I like to drive in. And that's how I found out the juice episode was fucked. Because I'm listening to it in my car and I'm like, oh, my God, it's fucked. I had to take it down and fix it. 
you were probably bugging out so hard too. I wish you I ruined my whole day. My whole day was shot. I was like calling Juice and apologize. He wouldn't answer. I'm like, he's so mad at me. And he's like, no, nah, man, I was busy. I can't get to the gym. <laughs> I don't care when it comes out, man. <laughs> but uh, like uh, Zach hits me at 30. You know what? You need to do better with the audio. And I'm reading this and I'm like, it's an Instagram DM. He's like, yeah. you know, you've been doing this too long to have these kind of mistakes. And instead of being like, who the fuck is this guy? I, I did the Jocko take ownership and say, hey, man, I'm sorry. I'll try to do a better job. And it was actually I went on the YouTube for my microphone. I found out my microphone was backwards. Yeah. And so Zach was right. But it's like it he was, was right. The, the gimmick that comes from Zach and the people that love the show is like Richie texted me the other day, like, oh, is there a couple cutouts? I'm like, yeah, unfortunately, there's a little bit. Like, I like that the people that listen weekly feel like they can say, hey, what's up with this? Because what's the metric? What's the metric of success and failure is people listening and telling you how they feel about it. Mm. And so if someone were to hit me up tomorrow and say, I don't like what you asked, or I feel like you should have also asked this, and I, I got that from hard Carl because he was best friends with Darren Walters, but like Carl wants to talk about things that are connected to him and Darren that probably wouldn't cross my mind to ask, so to speak. But I, yeah, I, I, Zach Barone is currently uh, the board director of a complaints yeah, that are totally. immediately. And, but what's great is it's an hour into the game. Like, it's not even, <laughs> maybe I know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe people are listening. I mean, there are people that listen before I post the, 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 the Instagram link and all that stuff like that. But like, he's on the, he's on the ball Friday morning. Oh, you know what? Joe McHenry's good. He hit me the other day. He's like, where's the episode? I'm like, Joe, it's Thursday. He's like, oh shit, I'm on 12 hour days. I totally fucking uh, forgot. Oh my God. <laughs> he's like, what? what's McHenry. going on with the episode? <laughs> McHenry's my favorite, man. I love it. Was, shout out. It was his birthday this weekend. But yeah. Yeah. McHenry's another one where like uh, Richie, I don't know if you Richie will send me, yo, man, you're killing it. Richie's like the quiet support. And me and him, I talk for those listening. Me and G break down the episode every week. And because mm-hmm. of that, without G giving me the pluses, the minuses, how he reacted so much influence of what I would think about in the next episode would come out. And I mean, we're. So this is like 30 something weeks of me and you talking once a week, just about mm-hmm. that last episode. And I appreciate the fuck out of that. And I love you for it. And like, for those listening, we went, there was a time where we all went and ate food and then we're like, fuck, we got to walk around. And I'm like, you know what? We need to still kill some time. Let's all hang out. We all just showed up at your shop and all just hung out in the steps for mm-hmm. hours and just bullshit it. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I, I appreciate the in, I appreciate the insight of my friends in telling me where things go sour on a podcast. And, um, it's it's just a thing like where people from post America now know Crazy Ray, who was a kid who I was in a van with. I was in a van with them going to Detroit for our first time and going to Massachusetts for our first time. And, you know, when he came out of prison. Yeah, he sounds different. He looks different, but it's still my 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 brother, you know, still a kid. I, you know, we did our first road trips with in the dysphoria van. And it's Richie tells me like people in Europe know who fucking Ray is. In the same way, where like Broad Street, Vogel straight up making fun of fucking Pablo backstage at the Judge Wisdom show, and like this, like Vogel might be Vogel might be the biggest <laughs> Pablo mark there is actually. Yeah, <laughs> Vogel yeah. <Vogel>. I, 
they have a whole text thing going on. They got a whole thing, man. The two of them. So, I, I, yeah, I, I think you're right. I think both of you guys are right with this. Um, people want to connect. So you remember when we were young? I don't know if you guys ever got wrapped up in it, but we, I would listen to um, talk radio at night. Yes. And I used to I love that to... one crazy dude. What's it was like? He he had yeah yeah uh, the the uh, UFO dude. Oh uh, him him too him too the uh, Bob Grant. I used to listen to Bob Grant. Yeah man, Maniac. I would listen to him? I would listen to anything yeah. talk radio. You know what I mean? And there was um Joe. What was the what was the Philly station? I keep thinking KYW, but there was a uh, there was a AM. couple that there was a couple AM ones, but yeah, I listened yeah, that... to. I listened to KDU very early in the nineties because that was Drexel's music station. Yeah. So that, so unfortunately that's the first thing that comes to me, but it's not the right answer. I can't remember, but they would have, they would have the same um, disc jockey on at different shifts. You know what I mean? So the late night guy would get all the fucking maniacs who were up at one in the morning, fucking calling about whatever, whatever. So it didn't matter. Point is it didn't matter what the subject was, what they were talking about. You just, I just wanted to hear that interaction of people and listen in on something. And I think podcasting on some level has taken the place of that. Yeah. Yeah. I used to love that talk radio too. I think you were talking about coast to coast with what's his name? That's the UFO. Yes. Yeah. What's his name, Joe? Was it Bob Costa? Is that what is it? No, no. I'm about to coast to coast with something is the dude's name. Something with an A, Allen something. Yeah. I can't remember. The, the coolest thing about him was the, the people that would call in were off the wall. Maniacs. They, yeah, <laughs> like they would give you fucking... stories of like, it could be a goat story. Yo, you know, man. Yeah. The government's yeah. after them, men yes. in black, everything. Yo, yeah, it's still man. going. It's yeah, still yeah, going. It's still going. It still goes. I still listen to talk radio on Sirius Radio. All, all my things are still mm. weird, usually political stuff. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I always did love talk radio. And the guy, Bob Grant, I was obsessed with him when I was young because he would yell at everybody that called in. He would go crazy on them. Art Bell. And, uh, Art, Art Bell. Bell. Art Bell. Yep. You yep. said the A. Yep. That was good. Yeah, Art yeah, Bell. yeah, yeah. Art wow. Bell, man. That takes me Yeah, back. he would have like, he would have fucking maniacs calling him. Yeah, really cool. You could probably Google and like YouTube his stuff, and I bet there's like some key like class. Oh, there's gotta be. Calling yeah. Because yeah, there's gotta there. be. I remember he had a yeah. regular caller who would call in every week and then he went missing or something and he kept calling yeah. out to dude or something, whatever dude's name yeah. was like, Bobby, you got to call in, man. You got to, uh, we haven't yeah. heard from you. Last we heard you, 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 <laughs> there was a black van outside. <laughs> and like, and all the other callers would call in and be like, yeah. I, I believe I might've saw yes. Bobby in Indianapolis yes. at a rest yes. stop. Yes. No, you didn't. That, so yeah, much. that's 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 kind of like it, it does it like satisfy that appetite, you know, like yeah, I think so. Like, that would be our generation anyway, you know. Right, definitely. And I yeah, think I especially uh, fuck man in the last year with COVID, like who doesn't need to connect to something? Totally, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, anything. I've been that's hearing like, that a lot. Fuck man, you know. I wanna. I wanted to bring up real quick before it gets off track from our topic. It doesn't surprise me that the Vinny rapper fans mm-hmm. aren't going to get the broad street. But the mm-hmm. thing is, is I mean, obviously um, I, I told Sean where Vinny Paz got his name from Sean Agnew one day. 
He's like, mm-hmm. wait, it's not his actual real last name? Like, no, it's mm-hmm. not his fucking name. <laughs> and and the thing is, is there's there's Vinny Paz Jedi mind tricks, mm-hmm. but that's not Vinny. Like that's that's Vinny with the mic in his hand, or got a couple of drinks in him. But the real Vinny is like I remember at a random party, he had a friend and I had a friend, and it was my friend Stony, who's now dead, his cousin. Yeah. And we're at this house, and next thing you know, I'm like, that's fucking Vinny Paz. So, mm. you know, did you know, to, did you know Vinny at this point? Yeah, I knew him enough oh. to say what's up. But you know, okay. you gotta remember is at that time, ninety eight to two thousand and two, Vinny mm. was a Philadelphia fucking celebrity, and he was yeah. out and about a lot. And yeah. you might see him chopping it on South Street, but what the fuck am I? I'm a weird ass little kid in hardcore, and he's mm. Vinny Paz, and he's Jedi mind tricks, and every you know, like he had a clout that he didn't have to swing around, but it was evident. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And dudes were like, nah, he's a hardcore dude. Who is a hardcore dude? Listen to the references. And it was in the early 2000s that I ended up in a party with him. And he's quiet and he's thoughtful and he's got good jokes. And I think like, you know, like, I, you know, I straight, you know, I straight up bullied him by making him passes and sticking it on the wall and taking a picture. But like, come to this is hardcore because mm-hmm. he was so socially worried about getting punished or mm-hmm. just being like, oh, it's going to be too many people and whatever. Mm-hmm. So like the Vinny that I know, the Vinny that you guys grew up with, isn't going to put on a show on the on the on the podcast for these rap people, you know, because I right. think his I think his art is completely <clears throat> separated from who he is when he's able to talk and communicate to his friends. And I actually we've talked about this where his friends are kind of like his outlet away from that world. So he's not like overwhelmed with us being like he has to be Vinny Paz in public. Yeah. I, yes. I I think um I think that he at times um struggles with that. I I I don't want to speak out of turn, but kind of like is it worth it to go here and potentially have to deal with this? And most times he decides not to, you know. And um I think you're right. I think that there is something to be said for, I mean, I've, I've known Vinny since he was 12, literally. Wow. And I, I never, I don't remember so much of that time. I do and I don't. And, but Vinny will tell me really vivid memories he has. And I never looked at Vinny as like a younger dude. You know, I was never that dude. I was always like, oh, he's cool. He can come around, whatever. And I mean, fuck, man, I got stories going back with the two of them for 30, whatever it is, 30 something years, you know, and I don't see I'm very proud of what Vinny has accomplished. And I'm very proud of him every time he does a new thing. Um, But I that's not the reason that I like Vinny. I love Vinny because I because I love him and I've known him most of my life at this point. What I was getting at more so is like the crowd that Vinny has mm. isn't gonna oh, get right, right. isn't gonna get that there's more to him as a human, and that yeah. the dude has he has this supercomputer brain where like he has a computer iPod in his brain for every single record, every single this, yeah, so archival that there's a depth to him that I don't think those guys I don't think he, like his 
I mean, you see some of his fans are like legitimately out of their fucking mind, whacked three hours before the doors open at the truck. You know, like they yes. don't understand that this dude can actually talk about records from the late 60s, early 70s, knows every single heavy metal record. And so I could totally see them being like, this ain't my mini pass. This is like, you know, this ain't the, this ain't the like, you know, like, and not get that he's not trying to bring on and be like whatever popular hip hop shows are out. Like, um, not trying to bring on dudes and do freestyles. Like he wants to talk about, you know, funny shit. And you guys definitely had a Stern vibe. And I think as even earlier on, we're talking a lot about Stern. And I think that I don't know if that world even knows what Howard Stern is. No, you're right. You're right. Cause you could imagine like uh, just a straight hip hop head, a fan of his music is like, Oh, Vinny has a podcast. Let me check this out. And what's he, he's, you know, he thinks he's going to hear some shit about X, Y, and Z. And then he's hearing about minor threat and Exodus. It's kind of, it's going to throw them for a loop, man. So we, I wonder, I wonder how you did end up with like the, the people that like the gimmick gang, like, what was their like draw in the beginning? I'd love to know. Was it was it with their casual casual Vinny Paz? But did they know there would be a connection with punk rock and metal and hardcore? Or did they just like was it a pleasant surprise? You know, I don't know. I, I don't know. I would imagine on some that they were aware of Vinny on some level, but not like the the super fans. Yeah. Not saying that they don't like his output, but. We in the beginning, we would get a lot of feedback saying, I can't believe Vinny knows that record, that band, that whatever. So, it's those like, people are man, definitely sticking around, those people that like, were yeah, by, you yeah. know. And it was like, yo, and I feel like early on, we addre- I addressed, I was like, yo, man, like, you know, that me and Vinny were at Bad Brains in 1980, like the quickness tour at the fucking um. What's the name of that joint? That's not there anymore. Whatever the fuck, you know what I mean? With, with you, you know what I'm saying? Like that's that's how we came up. Vinny's a punk rock kid. He's a horror kid. Yeah. Who who had a, a, a interest in in I, like we all do different genres, different whatever, under the umbrella of underground stuff, and he fell into hip hop and and fell into it hard, and he he made something of himself. But if you look at his work ethic and his um um the way he does business, business. it's punk it's rock, punk rock. Well. it's yes. so fucking diy and so yes you know uh for those listening we're talking about vinnie paz from jedi mind tricks vinnie and vinnie and jedi mind tricks was an ensemble group for a bit and then after one of the main guys just law wasn't singing vinnie did three or four lps where it was him with a ton of people jumping on, he also had a supergroup army of the pharaohs, which to me harkened back that like boom bop era. Like honestly, it was just like what I always would be like, well, what's that about? I'm like, picture if like Wu Tang Clan didn't get corny and it had like dudes that were like legitimately rapping about crazy, insane shit. And Army went off to do a ton of LPs. And then Vinny was like, at some point, like, you know, I'm doing these army records. And he had one with just a lot came back and that was it. Then he started dropping his solo stuff. So back to what Richie's saying about his output. When Vinny kind of got his head clear and he got on a, a roll, he has Army stuff. He's got Heavy Metal Kings with Ill Bill. He has the Vinny Paz LPs. 
And then he took back the power, so to speak. And he runs his own, he runs the label, you know, like they're, he, he has control of his own output and it's actually and more big. punk that's rock real big. That's so fucking punk rock in oh, a world yeah. where like hip hop dudes are trying to like post with money. And like Vinny has some of these craziest videos. Uh, and now with his YouTube channel and now he's got the Patreon, you're just going to see him create more kind of content and stay vibrant in it. Also on top of it. And this is another thing that goes back to Vinny. I know this sounds like a Vinny markout uh, episode, but like, how crazy is his just overall boxing information to the point now where yes he could easily running, do a boxing podcast he's doing one now rich he's got oh a is Patreon, he he's got a patreon where you can get the boxing podcast and it's like if you knew Vinny, like you listen to and his I, lyrics like, i love how he clowns on the ufc i love that shit. <laughs> <laughs> was fucking but, rolling so, around no offense joe no offense <laughs> Rolling Listen, around is all right. It's it's Saturday. It's Saturday nights in COVID, where normally I'm at a show or me and you are linking up to eat, you know. So like, I I show up. I got I'm in the jujitsu world, and at the time that was the only thing rolling was like me going to jujitsu with Carl and working. And Saturday nights I would cook food and watch UFC because there ain't no show to go to. But like I'm telling you this right now on some shit. The minute the world opens back up, I'm not sitting at home at 730 at night being like, oh, I can't wait for the fights. I hope I'm going to fucking show every week or out with my friends and yeah. just have to break. How many times do we just get together on a Saturday night and break bread? You know, or like, yo, we got to uh, do we, that again. We could do that. I mean, well, and I mean, you didn't come down with us yet, but I mean, G will tell you when we go to Villa, <laughs> dude, we oh, do it I right about it. I heard about it many times. We do Villa right. We do it deep. And the foods, everyone's got appetite. <laughs> Them ladies are so great. What's what do you need, hun? What do you go to at Villa? What's your What's the main course? You got anything regular or no? Me? Yeah. I always get ravioli. Ravioli, that's, toss salad. That's beautiful. That's a beautiful yeah, thing. Man. Joe, you sometimes got a I get thing a, Sometimes not? I get a side of linguine with it, too. Mix it all yeah. up. Ravioli and linguine. Wow. Fuck, nice. yeah. Listen, so you like this, this little bit of that. It's like a thicker ravioli then. It's like more pasta than the inside. It's like you're doubling up the pasta itself. Yes. That's a good idea. That's a good idea. Rich, it's my Italian Rich, side, Rich. You, you, you've eaten with Barletti, Mike Hooligan. Mm. And if he says something's dynamite or he says something the best, it's it's accurate. Like, he's my Yelp. So as he's like, <laughs> this is clearly the best meatball in Philadelphia. It's dynamite. Really? Dude, Barletti... Barletti should have his own book. Like there should be like the Zagat rating and then the Barletti rating. <laughs> so Joe, what's says, your go-to at Villa though? What's your go-to at Villa? Do I'm either doing one? lasagna or rigatone. I always get a meatball. We always get extra garlic bread. And then depending on mm -hmm. uh what else is going around, because you gotta remember is and and gee, what it was our 12, 15 of us sometimes. So mm -hmm. you might hear someone order, yo, give me one of them too. Let me get let yeah. me try that. Like, fuck, I didn't even think of that. Yeah. <laughs> what part of Philly is it in? What part of Philly? South. South. The Italian market. Course, it's in the Italian go. market. Yeah. Wow. It's like try. um, you know where that that you know where that sandwich joint is, Rich. The um uh the deli? No, no, no. Uh what's Angelos? his fucking name? Angelos. 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 Oh, like, yeah, yeah. It's like what three blocks from there? Oh, yeah. okay, okay. Yeah, it's like three blocks south. You no, know, Angelos is unbelievable. Yeah. It's it's the yeah. I mean, that my current it 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 took my cheesesteak spots. My favorite cheesesteak is Angelo's now. No more Delisandros. I Yo, still Bob, like Delisandros, but Angelo's. Bob Wilson sat for three hours. 
getting a, that when when Angelos came back, Bob Wilson sat three hours to get a steak. <laughs> yo, I had my 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 homie from work, this Puerto Rican dude from the Bronx. He's like, yo, I'm going to Philly. Tell me where to go. I gotta get the cheesesteak. I told him to go to Angelos. He sends me a picture of the door. It's their clothes due to a fire or something like that. Mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, he was so mad. I was so mad. I was scrambling to see where else I could put them. I told him to go to that Joe's place off uh, recommendation from uh, Zach Barone. So ah, he's trash. Go. I just went there Sunday. It's garbage. Joe's is very, I, I had it once. I liked it, but it was very salty. Very salty. Garbage. But yo, let um, me tell you what Zach Barone said about my one podcast since he's a big critic. It was with the wrestler guy. I, I oh, that was great wrestler. with Eric. That was a great mm-hmm. episode. Well, mm-hmm. Zach didn't think it was so great. He said, this is what he's told me. <laughs> that was the most boring episode. I could kick that guy's ass. That's what he told me. Wrong. Why would you even? And there's no way he's kicking that dude's ass, no. right? I mean, come on, what are you out of your mind? <laughs> Why do you think you could kick that guy's ass? That's the most Zach shit ever. Is to just say un un undoubtedly confidently, no. I'll kick that guy's ass. And just that that was the most boring episode ever. I could kick that guy's ass. And then he said something about it. he reminded me of my. Mom's old boyfriend who w- was a wannabe wrestler, and I could kick his ass too, or something like that. And uh, yeah, he was just going on and on. I was like, "Geez, this like triggered something in in, in Barone that was a little a little." What a- <laughs> I love Joe's angle on this though too. Are people gonna Yo. see this or are they just gonna hear it? Yo, check this out. This is what? another good one. Everything sounds great though. Every oh no, here was like ready, right? This dude is incredibly boring. Terrible storytelling, not even a real New Yorker. Everything sounds oh. great, though. Everything sounds a huge step up. Seems like you couldn't invoke anything out of him. You did a great job with the episode. He just seems like a total oh, wow. snore, snore, snore emoji. What a wow. And it goes, then he hits me 25 minutes later. Never mind. We're getting into the juicy stuff now. Wow. <laughs> I know who oh, exactly he's talking yo, about. Off the rip came at me like like and so like I like <laughs> I have to say like okay there's nothing yeah. I can do about this information I'll follow it under I'll do better next time Zach. Wow. And I I know who he's talking about because he texted me about that the same day and he's like I'm listening to Joe's podcast I want to kick this guy's ass ass or however I love it. Yeah I, I was like it. and then I'm like look to who I was like oh my god I love Zach gets it. he gets mad he gets upset. But you need that, right? Like he's gonna if it's if it doesn't sound good, he's gonna tell you. That's a good thing. When I when I thought about doing the podcast, I really was I don't know what I was thinking besides people that said you should be on a podcast. And I thought I had a cool idea. And someone had come to me a year or so before, and I told Richie about it. Like he's like, Oh, we should do a podcast and we could do it weekly and just focus on the fest. And I'm like, Oh, no one's gonna want to get punished about this is hardcore fest for I told once you a week. listen. And so when I got into it, obviously I started in one direction, but I feel like in the last three months specifically, I have a group of people that I, and I, and I'm honest with this. Anyone can write me and I'm going to write you back. And I, and I, and I, and I stick to it. I don't blow any, any comment, any DM, any like email. I've gotten all that now on the, this is hardcore and Joe hardcore Instagram, the Twitter and all that. And I want to engage with these people because I understand better what they are getting out of it. And it kind of, I mean, obviously I have you guys and you guys are like amazing friends and you know, both of you guys have literally hundreds of episodes. So I look to you guys for guidance and just as a sounding board as people that have done this longer than I have, but it's cool that people can resonate. And I think that everything that we all do 
ties back into connecting to people and keeping the connection going because previous to cell phones, my come ups were walk up. Maybe, you know, like maybe you guys can correct me, but I don't remember except for the agnostic front show where my mom got us tickets and it was the like the reunion show. I don't recall advanced tickets being in the cadence of how we got into a Philadelphia hardcore show. And so almost the late nineties. And at that point we had been just like, even like the early metal shows, like, you know what, there was a show and I felt like such a cornball me and my bro sat outside of Slayer tickets for Slayer biohazard and machine head. And we thought there'd be a giant line. And there was nobody. And we were like the 10th person. It's so fucking cold. And the only other time I did that was on the Megadeth Countdown to Extinction Tour back when they still had that spot. Um, gee, you know the spot that's like used to be at the Chopped? It was like in Drexel, but it was like like a not a stadium, but it was like a little auditorium. Like Green Day was like one of the last big shows there, but like White Zombie and... Oh, uh, you, yeah, you yeah. It, that, you, uh, uh, heads convent- talk about Nirvana playing there. Oh, not Drexel Armory, um, but there was another spot in that area. And um, but it was like it was like a smaller, it was smaller than the electric factory, but way bigger than the truck in the tower. On we, can, on Drexel campus? Not Drexel, uh, where Chop oh. is, where like the Chop thing oh, is. Chop. I think it was called the convention center at the time or something. Like, like I'll have to remember the name, but like that was the only times we really sat out for tickets. And so, like, I all my social friendships were born either on the L train because we would get on a bridge and Pratt. Mm-hmm. And then, so like I met Chris X because he has to take the train. He had to take a bus to get to the bridge and Pratt. Mm-hmm. So you did each other. And like, you guys both know Bushy. So, mm-hmm. you know, one day we're all on this bus together coming home and we're all looking at each other. It's me and my boy, Carmen, who's now dead. And we're looking at Bushy and he's talking to straight edge Chris. And they're like, what's up? We're like, Hey, what's up? And next, you know, it's kind of like, up i guess we're friends now because we all live in the same neighborhood but we all listen to that music and so getting outside that truck line or the tla line that would span two blocks you uh-huh. talked it up and you met this person you met that person and you know we talk about busting balls dude hours spent waiting for them to open up tickets and people like jamie davis and i would basically be like oh you need to check out this band or you need to check out this or oh you missed out on this and you learn so much interacting in real life in the in the in between bands or the before show, and all that's gone because of the social media and the cell phones. Because now everyone has their own like circle of like four or five friends or like a little coterie, or they want to be friends with everybody, so they don't have any depth or a connection to deep connection to people. Because they're like, hey, I have to still say hi to this person. I have to work the room, but those these these deep conversations and this like connecting point kind of got lost in the digital age in the early to mid 2000s where like now there's people who are better friends with people because of internet hangouts and constantly talking than in person and like i was at that philly swap meet thing and i knew everybody's face but i think if like there was like a highlighted instagram name or a highlighted twitter handle i'd be like oh oh yeah i know that person you know like because i even also with the mask I was standing right across from AC from Agitator, who's my fucking boy. And I didn't even realize. You don't know. Yeah. And then Bob's like, are you just not going to say hi to him? I'm like, oh, my fucking God. Fucking masks, man. No, you're not wrong about it. But 
That's why we got something. This what we're doing right now is kind of cool, and it's easy. I think we should try to do this. We could do this like once a month if we wanted. I would if love we, to. If we wanted I, to do talk about something specifically, we could plan ahead. If we wanted to just bullshit, we could. But this could be its own little thing if you guys are down. You know what I'm saying? I'm a hundred percent down for sure. Yeah, I like talking. That. I like talking to. I mean, this sounds dumb to say, but I like talking to friends. You know what I mean? And it, whether we're recording or we're not recording or whatever, whatever. And um, something that resonated with me a long time ago. I don't remember where we were, but Joe, I overheard Joe say, "I'm not much of a text guy. I'm a phone guy." And I'm the same way. Like if it's going beyond like, yo, you cool? Yeah, cool. Or are we meeting here at seven? Cool, cool. Or whatever the fuck. Or like, yo, did you did you make that call you had to make? You know, whatever. If it's going beyond that, I fucking call. Because like, why are we texting? Yeah. Like it almost seems like a step backwards in technology. Wouldn't you rather what? hear somebody's fucking voice and, and their... Uh, their emotion and their their uh, you know what i'm saying totally the the good thing about texting though is i could do it while i'm on the phone you know what i'm saying so i could get i could get the call in then send out two texts just to check in on some people blah blah so there's some good things about it but if 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 i want to you know like you said go even deeper like get an explanation yeah talk texting is just it becomes a burden when you have yes yeah yeah, like while we're doing this, Pablo texted me uh, a picture Stop of him us. in his a picture of him and his daughter's confirmation thing. His daughter has her confirmation today. <laughs> oh, that's nice. Of, that's, what are guy. you? Uh, are you confirmed, Jeff? Yes, Richie. I know yeah. you're confirmed. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think so, but I'm not positive. I stopped at some point when I was little. Yeah, I I stopped right after confirmation. Same Maybe here. I, I had to do the here. gimmick. That was like yeah. the the minimum requirements. Yep. If she was gonna if she was gonna try to get me into a, a Catholic school, and I basically told her I ain't cutting my fucking hair. So mm. that's not that's a that's a no go. But I had my, to do my the, sister. I remember went to Catholic school, but me and me and my brother didn't go. I don't did know you why. do Did you do CCD? Yeah, I remember doing that for yeah, a while. I did that. Nightmare. Horrible. Yeah, honestly, I, I don't even remember it. I just remember the words like CCD or the letters. Oh. I don't even remember it, man. I have no idea. I, it was on. It was on Tuesday nights, man. Yep. And, and like, you suffer it. It's like I'm suffering through regular school, and then I got to go to this bullshit too. Fucking out of here, man. It is, and to think now, like what the church is, you know, oh, like what, it, and, and then we were like in the mix with the with those animals oh my god what a joke what a fucking joke i i no, couldn't was, i couldn't take it seriously i couldn't i, I, I couldn't I, do it man it's it's brutal yeah i probably i, I mean i probably didn't take it seriously because i was just a little kid but i mean so i, I don't remember any of it dude. i really so don't i had no christianizing whatsoever and one day in some bullshit my mom bullied my dad and was like he's a protestant and a piece of shit and has no god and you guys are that's hard and what's crazy is is patsky's like literally like reading wicked books as she's going through this insanity and she she makes us go and get fucking baptized and i had never been inside a church in my whole fucking life fuck you were older then i was i mean older than you weren't an infant i was like eight or nine 
Fuck. The first time I stepped inside of that, I can remember being inside a fucking church, and it actually wasn't even my mom's church. I had a, I, you know, sleeping over, you know, like I had, a, I had a friend and I would sleep over his house. And the gimmick was he didn't tell you, but then you're at their Presbyterian church oh, Sunday school. But the, yo, so, yo, they give you crayons. You're doing the gimmick. Ooh. But so I stopped sleeping over his house because I'm like, yo, I'm not doing this fucking church shit on Sunday. Uh-huh. And then my mom and my dad were up like at war, physically at war. And for some reason, she bullied us into getting baptized. And then I didn't do church again until she was like pissed off. Like, we're going to go to church and we go to fucking church. I don't know how to sit down. And I went. Our church is pretty big. I don't know when to sit up. I don't know when to sit. I don't know the words. I don't know shit. And I was so socially anxious, like my heart. I can remember my heart racing. And it was like. I'm enamored by Christian and Christian art to this day. I'm, I'm enamored by uh, the history that from the Roman era into the middle ages, into the late Renaissance. And the fascination comes from the iconography and the craziness. But what hit me was I was old enough and I was in, I was in mentally gifted class. So when she said, we're going to CCD, I was like, what is it? And it's like, basically blah, blah, blah. Catholic doctrine. I'm like, oh, I'm getting indoctrinated. I'm out. Like, I like, I'm like, this is gonna stay in me. Fuck that. You know, like, I was way into long hair, death metal, and all that. So, like, <laughs> I was like, one arm behind my back. Like, I gotta do this because there's no way I'm getting into a good high school. I got in too much trouble. And I eventually just said, no, I'm not fucking going to Catholic high school anyway. And, mm-hmm. but to think about that, like, the, that weirdness. So, you guys, you guys got your, um, you guys did the confession in the box, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You guys are yeah. older, so you guys did the box. Mm-hmm. They upped it on us the day before. They're like, you're going to have your first confession, and it will be face-to-face. Oh, boy. Ooh, wow. <laughs> I never did like it like a, that. Yeah. Like at a table? Bro, sitting across from a grown-ass man in a dress. Yo. And I'm, I, I will tell you that's the only time I've ever confessed, and I didn't even confess anything because I'm like, I don't know. I might have cursed a lot. I think we shot yeah. out. And this, I think this is right after I shot. Actually, I I was involved in the shooting out of windows from a house, from our house to another house. And Allegedly. that might have been <laughs> it happened. But like, <laughs> I don't recall me being the one who shot the window. I just remember being, being a party to it. And that was my longest. You're not allowed to go to that side of the neighborhood for six months. <laughs> like that's it that was my punishment it wasn't even like you can't go out it's like you can't hang with them for six months and i was still and i was still hanging with them so i was like what are you gonna do you know like right. Right. but i think that's but so like you guys had that crazy and like i see it in a movie with like the window and all that Creepy, and, man. And just, yeah and i think about it um it brings up something with the krishna stuff what we because a couple like uh Richie Birkenhead had talked about Krishna and he kind of yada, yada, yada his way out of like not telling how much at one point he was really involved. And he took the rear view mirror like, well, you know, I was more into, but, you know, history and other people said he was like really involved early on in Krishna, but he never did the monk thing. He never went full monk, but he was heavily involved and he brought a bunch of people down there. It's got to be weird to be in your teens and go for it. And I have friends who are in their 20s and their 30s and find it. And the only thing I ever bought into, I bought into straight edge. 
and it saved a lot of things. I understand it better. And I bought into jujitsu and I bought into the importance of just going to have a union job and being like, this is how you're going to be 60 and have money coming in when you don't have to work anymore. But like, I, 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 maybe I'm godless, but I, I can't relate to needing a deeper meaning because I have it in hardcore. I know it sounds lame or maybe it doesn't, but like everything that I've needed my whole life, I needed a sense of community. I got it from hardcore. I needed friends who were older that would both shepherd me from bad shit that was happening in my neighborhood, but also uh, infuse me with chaos and probably some bad behavior, <laughs> you know? And then in my twenties, touring changed my world like my first America viewpoint and then my world viewpoint and then getting more seriously into promoting hardcore shows and understanding the culture more and more over the last 25 years, everything from my life, the wellspring of it has been hardcore punk. So I never needed that, like that religious or like this other thing. So I'm probably godless or I've just always focused on activity over um, needing some kind of divinity. Yeah, I think it's come on. I mean, like the the Krishna stuff, even when it was happening in real time in front of me, I just thought it was so goofy. I just didn't get it. Like costumes and the face paint and the haircuts and the colors and the robes. And it was just like, I, there's people you're into a certain religion, this and that good for you it's all to me it's all bullshit like there's it's a some bullshit fairy tale if it makes you a better person for whatever reason all right good for you yeah more but, power to you yeah yeah but even to think that that it does make someone a better person you really you need that like you need someone to say here check this book out from a a a, a source that you'll never know that you just have to believe and i don't know i just i'm too I, I hate any sort of authority. I'm always anti-authority, even if it's in my benefit for some reason. I can't deal with a church. I can't deal with a religion. It's goofy. And a lot of people in my, like, with uh, with my upbringing, they were also, they're Catholics, but the, at the same time, they're into this Italian witchcraft stuff, which is, my how do you make sense of it? <laughs> They, they they call it strangia, strangia or something like that. Stranga, cool. strangia, and it's like, how do you how like, they they if you say something bad, they'll be like, <gasps> they'll shock, like you're gonna go to hell. But at the same time, you're practicing witchcraft, like this weird form of. Come on, it makes no sense. I don't know it, it, when it, when it and when it hits like Christian hardcore bands, dude, like what the fuck is that? Well, you you know the guys from Erie, Pennsylvania. Yeah. And like and they were never preachy. Like and you played some sick shows up there and there was never this like sermon ser, sermon on the mount moment where like the guy would but there's a band called yeah. Sleeping Giant from Utah that yeah. did have this like children of the corn gimmick where he would stick his hand out and like prophetize to the crowd and everybody was in. The Christian hardcore we came up with was dudes who were like straight laced guys. Their bands were hard as fuck. The shows in Erie, Pennsylvania were great. They were aff- like they're super affable. They were great promoters. And they left it at the door. There was no like 
Come yeah, and but see. still, shut up with it. Like, you know, are you, you're a hardcore band and you happen to be Christian guys. Leave it at that. Christian hardcore? Why are you throwing that in front of the name? Like, just leave it off. Is, well, is what, what I'm I saying is, is that first run known as Invictum, Disciple, the, you know, it was a smaller community. And then the gimmick became a marketable enterprise to sell to people who were like in these weird ass Southern states like Florida and Alabama and Nashville and all this all the places where that kind of grew, like even in Virginia and some of the Carolinas came from these like Bible people who were like, well, you can't listen. Oh, well, it's Christian. Oh, well, you can listen to that. And, and these are like the mall yeah. pederasts. These are but like that's the exactly pederasts. Like, why do you think there's so many straight edge dudes and people in in Utah? Because it's just part Mormonism, of the culture. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. So it's kind of like, no, mom, listen, it's cool. Like, you know, we don't even drink. We don't even do this. So so these southern dudes are like, no, mom, listen, it's cool. We know Jesus is the son of God. Like, you know, it's in our music. Like, it's just like it, it's like anti-rebellion. Like, it's not even rebellion anymore. It, it, it took it took the, the, the whole point of hardcore out of it is when they, you know, they conformed. They they changed it to be OK with the elders you know what i mean that's that's how i always saw it maybe that's a crazy overanalyzing kind of thing but we know why you're a christian hardcore band it's so you could play heavy music and your mom don't get mad at you we know why you're straight edge it's so you can play heavy music and and you're still you know your mormon family's still okay with it i'm not it's the old it's the old striper gimmick exactly hell yeah (laughs) you know what i mean yeah man it's it's uh sanitized rebellion you yeah. know what i mean it's it, it went through the washing machine and it came out uh who the fuck wants that i don't want that not me man i think that you, you know people have these holes you know humans have holes in them and and in their um they try and fill it with whatever and i think uh, people tend to gravitate normal people tend to gravitate towards religion Mm, yeah, because it's the easiest way to fill those gaps. Mm-hmm. Weird Some... people do things like we've done. Yeah, totally. Um, and then you have some kind of middle ground where there's like, I'm into this, but I'm into that. Like, uh, I'm into this, but I like God as well. So then you get yeah. that whole thing. But uh, as a cynical older person, I just see it as a gimmick you know and totally. I, I if i'm being totally honest this might be a jerk off fucking thing but a band could come out tomorrow that sounds like the greatest band in the world if they claim that they're a christian hardcore band no I, thank you I, yeah no i'm not listening the fuck out of here no. and another thing like I, i'm straight edge and i probably wouldn't be if everybody back then was like i didn't come from an area where everybody was straight edge like I was like, you know what I mean? Oh. But that's that's my the way I see my shit. Like if everybody was straight edge, it'd be easy to be straight edge. Then I'd be uh, I'd be a belligerent drunk. I just have to. It's in my nature. But since everybody was partying and shit, I said, okay, I have to be this guy. You know what I'm saying? That's that's how I like to operate. And it doesn't make much sense, but fuck that shit. Something I, yo check this out. But one 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 little thing. I just found out that my friend who was in a Christian hardcore band years ago, 
I found out when he was in the band, he used to actually save people on stage, bring them up on stage. <laughs> And they would like, like get down know. on their knees and he, blood. <laughs> yeah, he put like their hand and, and say, like, you know, you take this guy to be your thing. And like, oh my God, I That's cannot wait. I cannot wait to bring this up to him. Like, I don't want to blow up his spot right now, but it, it it's I'm picturing it in my head. It's insane. Imagine going to a, a show where you think, like, ah, underground, this is our shit. Fuck the outside world. And then the guy is fucking doing a sermon on the fucking stage. Oh God. I'm not well as I've gotten older, <clears throat> I'm not one who who is as hard on religion as I was at one point. For me personally, I'm not having it, but I've I've seen people really benefit from it yeah, for whatever right. reason. And I'm I'm I, I nothing but support for me for that. This music and this sort of it's not the fucking place for it man you know what i mean like yeah, yeah. i'm not listening like more power to you I, I, I live a good life I, you know whatever but you couldn't fucking pay me enough to listen to a shelter song you know what no, i'm saying well, exactly. and i'm not like man I, and i'm not somebody who's like what do you fucking you fucking like that like i'm not that dude but for me yeah that's not what I signed up for. Man. I can't get I couldn't get past that because the music itself is supposed to be that thing, not this extra. You know what I'm saying? So here's the music. But just in case, let's let's throw this on top. Let's throw the Christianity on top. Let's throw the Krishna on top. Let's throw it's now. Now it's like, what, what's the music for then? You know what I mean? So the music is just for you to pretend it's like a, it's Halloween for you. Like you could act like you, you know, punk rock, hardcore, but it's it's also approved by whoever, you know, by these outside sources. You know, do you know that you know that picture? It's kind of a famous. I mean, we would know it. You know the picture of Roger carrying ice at CBGBs with the mohawk when he's got the big mohawk. Yes, it was in his book, and he kind of like a keg or something. Yes. Yeah. That's what I signed up for. Yes, exactly. Imagine I, if he was carrying a cross. Come on. I didn't sign up for whatever the fuck is. You know what I'm saying? And, and again, man, I'm not like do your thing, have at it. But yeah. for me, in my mind, you're doing a different thing. Why are you trying to lump it into this thing? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like this this scene is supposed to be independent of that stuff. In my opinion, that stuff does Christianity really need a hand? You know what I'm saying? Like I know this, from, from from this movement, I know fucking, of all places. That, what are you gonna get? Ten more people? Like who yeah. gives a shit? Like fuck, come on, man. But Joe I'm, promotes that stuff. He likes. I'm gonna. <laughs> I'm gonna. I'm gonna take this deep. Uh -oh. I'm gonna go deeper. I like it. Uh, Richie and I on the podcast had said that the supplement to religion was hardcore, and we allegorically tied the connection between the Sunday hardcore matinee to the Sunday church meeting. And when I look at this as a godless, no God fearing human, I understand that. At some point, 
earlier in the humanity pre-technologies that small communities congressed together at a building like a church or my pagan ancestors would meet on certain days at the right movement of the sky and they would get together and they would worship the earth and the, they were thankful for everything. And the community structure was based around the Congress of these meetings and the ethics and the general well-being of the community was shepherded completely by the church and the meetings of the church. And why I'm going deep, deep in, in relating this is I know so many hardcore people that have come and said, like, I just miss not coming to shows and everything that I have gotten in my life. And I, I mean, in the in early 90s, I was shepherded out of just being a, you know, your generic thrash death metal kid and turn into a more learned punk rock person because I had zines and these other ideas coming into me that death metal and thrash weren't really talking about through fanzines. And there was a whole socio-political side that was touched on in hardcore that wasn't touched on in there. I got some of my longest friends at the very beginning of this journey into my own hardcore existence. I met my first kid's mother which gave me my beautiful daughter who now hits me up and talks about the podcast every week. And I made her up. She hit me with the other day with, you know, I never really went deep on these older bands, make me a playlist. And I made her this playlist with like the historically the best songs from bands. She should know, even if she doesn't like them, but then she hit me. She's like, dad, I really love the dead boys. Like I've been listening to them a lot. And that just like made me like, Wow. Like a win, like to me, like a, like a fucking win that my twenty <clears throat> something year old daughter is a Dead Boys fan now. Because is there a, is there a better opener of an album ever than Sonic None. Producer? None. To that, like. to, so so I have that connection. And then when I was on my way out, and I say on my way out, I was gonna die or I was gonna fall into a hole so deep it would have smothered me dysphoria started taking me out of philadelphia and take me on weekends exposed me to more the, sh the the opportunity to book shows taught me that hardcore is malleable and instead of just being a fan instead of just being someone who buys a metal ticket or buys a tape and as a fan i am actually able to interact and produce something that the community will enjoy and richie was there some of my first shows they came out to a show in our neighborhood in the summertime with common corrected mushmouth and it was a crazy thing, but just knowing that as a 17 year old kid that I was able to change the world around me by being involved invoked me to go deeper and through touring and then my own band, the world just keeps opening. And I feel like one of the failures of hardcore, and it's going to sound so weird since we just said this, I really wish we did organize at the LLC or crazy level like a fucking church, because I'll tell you what, if we were organized as a church and this are like, like legally, like, well, you know, these hardcore shows are protected by church. There could be 20 shows in 20 States, all protected with no taxes as like venues. And I just think about all this shit that if we did a church, wow, that'd be like, cool. like think about it. And it sounds so crazy. And I, and I don't care if people think I'm a fucking psycho for it, but I live in, I've lived in bad neighborhoods in Philadelphia my whole life. And 
wherever you're at is a row home or a strip mall like on the on like an avenue near the L or by the bus route with this small ass little church and they don't pay no taxes and whoever goes goes and i don't know any difference between the hardcore punk culture in america than just the people that go to church on sunday and everybody that i've met over the past 25 plus years of booking shows not including when i was a kid learning the ropes to get to that point are still people that I believe are connected to our whole thing. So it's, we're not, our, our culture is not unlike a church in some regards. And I feel that like, we probably missed some league, like some ways of opening legal venues if we were registered as a church. And I feel like the same sacramental things occur at a hardcore show, you know, like my, you know, for me as a father, my daughter, my daughter had her first stage dive. And I was like happier than shit. I've seen so many young kids have their first show moment. Then they have their band's first. The my, This is my first show. And then like when we have because of this hardcore, someone will say, I have traveled. This is my first. This is hardcore. These are like pilgrimages. And there's a lot of there's a lot of um, allegorical connections between like the way that people worship the Abrahamic religions and hardcore music. We are a community. We do have a sense of purpose. We do have ideals. And another thing that we forget about because of the internet age is, I don't know about you, Richie, but if I didn't know Ian Cunningham, Ian Hardedge, I never would have got a union job. That came through hardcore. If I never went on tour, I never would have met my wife, Jess, in California. If I never linked up with these different people, my life would be totally different. My ideas would be totally different. My entire worldview would be shaped separately my moral code would be different and I, I i have to believe that the community within hardcore is not on like a church except for that we do not need the dogma and the doctrine and the hierarchical structure over top of us and so that's the way i look at this as we're talking about all this yo i like what you said and we have one up on the other abrahamic religions because our version of Jesus is still here with us, Vinny Stigma. I would have said Roger Murray, but I'll, I'll accept Vinny Stigma. Stigma! What are you going for? Who's Jesus? <laughs> Who's Jesus, OG? Is it, is it Stigma or Roger? Roger. He even looked like it at some point with the long-ass hair. All right, well, give Roger the Jesus, but then Stigma is the God. St- Stigma is St. Peter. St. <laughs> Peter. Wow, you just want to hang him upside down on a cross. No, because he's the one who he's the one who he's the one who he's the one who carried who carried the cannon. Yeah, he did a lot he's of the work, Peter. But yo, I check mean, it out. I got enchiladas upstairs waiting for me, and I'm so, starving. I went right to the computer so I could talk to my homies. So I didn't eat nothing yet. I'm a little hungry. So, Rich, as you sign off, um, mm-hmm. tell us what's going on this weekend, and um, also tell us what's going on with Post. Tell us what's going on with Z9, what's going on with Wisdom, and what's going on with Fast Break, and then you can eat your fucking enchiladas. Check this out. This this Saturday, hopefully this comes out before that, and I think it will. It will. will. It's going to come this out this Saturday. Friday. we got, we're doing that show in Thompson Square uh, Park with uh, Madball and Blood Clot and Murphy's Law, and it's a free show, and everybody should go and just have fun, and you know how shows usually go at, uh, in that park. They're usually a great time. And... Uh, Z9, yeah, we uh, it's a little a little side musical project we got going, 
still working on it. It's taking forever. Our uh, our studio guy's super busy, so I get like an hour or two here and there. It's getting frustrating. And uh, with Post America, we just released today that Mad Ball Deep Dive and Hold It Down. It's getting good feedback, except for Zach Barone. Fantastic hated episode. It. No, actually, <laughs> actually, Zach was actually excited about it today and he was uh he did something like uh og said he was re-listening to hold it down and appreciating it a little more that's cool so it's the same old stuff you know how we do and just eating and chilling with my homies trying to get out there blah 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 we do have that one show way in october in salt lake city with wisdom and chains otherwise after this this saturday that's it that's the show we got more coming we got more coming the trinity yeah yeah, we're we'll gonna make this. something happen. We'll do this more. Yeah. No, I was talking about the Trinity shows. We're gonna do some shit. Me, you, and Mahmood. We gotta book yeah. some stuff for sure. Um, I would like to make this a monthly thing, and we'll try to figure out off air how to do that. OG, yes. give us the latest. Give us what's going down. Give us what's gonna happen, and sign off. I guess. Uh, you know, I uh, we do Broad Street Breakdown podcast sometimes periodically. We go through uh, periods where we do it a lot. We go through periods where we don't do it at all and that's we're in one of those periods right now how's the shop uh, shop is good man the sh- um again um with the circumstances I, I, you know I, we're very lucky um we're only able to take appointments uh we're not doing any walk-ins i keep the door locked um and we're booked pretty far out you know but um, if you email us, we're the only way we're able to keep track of everybody um, asking about things and making appointments and stuff is through email. We can't do anything over the phone. We, because of COVID, we've eliminated the, you know, stop in the shop and talk some shit thing. So through email, that's Crescent Street Tattoo at Gmail, um, and that's the only way we can kind of keep track of everything because it's it's kind of crazy. You know, people were quarantined, but. A lot of people were still working during that with nothing to spend their money on. So what's the dumbest thing you could do with your money? Get a fucking tattoo. So it seems like a lot of people want to get tattooed. So um, we are booked for a little while, but that's not to say that I can't get you in. You know what I mean? I'll figure it out. I'll I'll slide you in with Jackie or Jordy or Tony or whatever, and we'll figure it out, you know, and but we're, we're, we're very blessed that we're doing okay. You know, after being shut down for four months and um, I wouldn't say it's the greatest, but it's, it's good. Um, Yeah, man. So that's it. All right. And um, like always once a week, this hardcore podcast comes out. We are working towards an alternative venue to do this as hardcore as it seems like not even late September is is plausible at the electric factory. So we're going to look into the summertime and look for a Saturday, Sunday scenario that works where we're outside and we are COVID compliant, regardless of where that is in August or July or wherever it ends up. And I just appreciate you guys and the support you've given me as friends. I mean, you guys have both talked me off some ledges in real life and helped me through the podcast. And I hope we do this more. So that's good. Oh. That's that's all I got. And I'm going to link everybody in our shit on the show notes. And this will be coming out on all of our shows. So that'll be interesting. It's, it's fun. And I'm more than willing to do it with you guys, you know? 
I got nothing but love for both of you. And I hope that, um, you know, write, write us, write the three of us and tell us what you think of it. And did we, you know, is this dumb? Cause we're, we're probably going to do it anyway, but is it, is it <laughs> fucking, did you enjoy listening to it? Whatever, man. I'm yeah, always down like Joseph. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. I'm, I'm, I feel like Joe does earlier. Like if you write me, I'll write you back, man. You know? Amen. Awesome. All right, All right brother. Good seeing you guys. Yeah. You Bye. too. Richie. Peace take care, peace. buddy. Peace. Later. Talk to you. I hope you guys enjoyed that one. It was great to talk to two of my friends who had a huge hand in helping me getting this podcast off the ground. Support Broad Street Breakdown, the podcast. Support Post America podcast. Support Vinny Paz, the new record. Support Vinny Paz, the Patreon. Support Wisdom and Chains tomorrow at Thompson Square Park. Support Crucified Straight Edge, Fast Break Records. Look out for more shows from the Trinity, me, Richie, Chris. Can't wait for all the cool stuff that we all link together. If there's nothing more hardcore in this fucking world than finding friends where you can do cool things with. This podcast was awesome. I really hope you enjoyed it. Stay tuned for next week. And again, if you go to our Patreon feed, there's going to be a ton of new stuff in the next couple days. Specifically, we're going to go over the Richie Birkenhead episode. We're going to go over the Walter episode. I'm going to keep these little uh, behind-the-scenes thoughts and extras added to the Patreon. This feed will always stay free, but you can check out the extras at patreon.com slash thisishardcore. Thank you. See you next week.